So two weeks ago, we began this series, and I warned you that it was going to be offensive, and you came back anyway. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for you. You are fantastic, kind, wonderful people. This series is about teaching you how to do something that you think you already know how to do. I want to teach you how to be generous. I want you enjoying the freedom and fascination of living a generous life. So we're going to talk about how to be generous. Now, not how to give, all right? All of you know how to give. You're wonderful givers. You're kind. You're, like I say, you're great. Not random acts of giving. These acts of kindness and mercy are wonderful, and they are changing the world. Keep them up. Now, the fact that you are so good at giving helps to mask one of the reasons that many of us are not generous. This is not about teaching you how to do something. You already know how to give. I want to teach you how to be something. And the reason we are not generous is not that we are not good people. It's because no one ever taught us how to be generous. You just sort of get implied into it. You know what you're doing, right? And then we label it. We call it. We say it to other people. Oh, you're generous. Generosity is more than random acts of giving. And I'm all for random acts of giving. I hope that they continue. I hope that they grow and that your life might be filled with random acts of giving. And from that, also random acts of receiving that people will bless you as well. Well, we are learning what it is to organize all of our lives around generosity. To do that, we are using a very specific definition of generosity. And maybe you can remember it from last time, maybe you can't, but here we go, here it goes again. Generosity is the premeditated, that means there's a plan. It's calculated, that means you know the amount. It's designated, you know where it's going. And then my favorite word of the definition, emancipation, all right? You're going to set your money free. You're going to be set free from your money also, a personal financial assets. We are going to be generous, um, and that is the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. We're not guilting you. We're not bribing you. Have you ever heard of the Christian bribe? You give God a dollar and he'll give you 10. We are not doing that or promising that or even implying that. We are not taking up a special offering today. Offering is there available. You can do what you want, but there's no special push towards offering today. This is not about getting you to do something. This is getting you to be something. This is not something that I want from you. This is something that I want for you. And so you need to know that generous people do not need to be sold. Generous people do not need to give in to guilt Generous people can live guilt-free when it comes to money. Generous people go way beyond random acts of giving, and they can hear a pitch, and they can still say no because they've organized their entire life around being generous. Now, here's the promise about generosity, okay? About organizing your whole life around generosity. When you become generous, you will give more save more, and consume less. Then the next thing is the promise that Jesus made. So if you are a Christian, you really need to examine this part. Pay attention. You'll be 
happier. Now, last time we looked at the most famous mention of giving in the Bible, and most of you had no idea that it was in the Bible. Many of you probably had no idea that Jesus said it. And Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said that, he was not saying, when you give, you'll feel good. That's our translation. That's our application. That's the way we think about it. It's not about feeling good when you do a giving transaction. When we were kids, we would say this much faster and much louder. As adults, we kind of keep it quiet, but the feelings are still there inside. And there's something like this. When I give, I feel good. Sure. When I receive, I feel good. Sure. I'm not sure, though, that giving feels better than receiving. You know, maybe they're tied sometimes. But honestly, I, I really like receiving. So let's try it out right now. All right, let's try it. Here's our little experiment. You give me $50 and let me tell you how I feel about it. <laughs> and Jesus is not talking about it like that. What Jesus was talking about was this. The person who organizes their life around generosity the person who lives a generous life will be blessed. Not blessed like God is just waiting um, to do something for you. You did what I needed. Thanks, guys. And now I'm going to come down and give you God stuff. But it's that little Greek word that's translated blessed actually gets translated uh, many other times as happy. Happy are those who organize their finances around generosity rather than organizing their finances around receiving. Jesus promises you'll be happier. And I think you can start to feel that in the back of your head. That kind of makes sense too. When all I want is to get, 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 I never seem to get enough. So most North Americans feel financial pressure because they have never learned how to be generous. We feel financial pressure not because of the lack of money, we feel financial pressure because we never learned to be generous. So let's talk about that. To do that, I wanted to give you out a special sheet today because I want you to be able to see this grow up. I want you to see this thing evolve in front of you and see how much of it you already recognize, okay? So the word, our first word that we're going to insert into our diagram, the word most associated with money or finances is worry. We worry. Will we have enough to retire? Will we have enough to ever buy a ring? Will we ever have enough money to buy a house? Will I ever have enough money to get rid of this lousy, broken-down car? Will I ever be able to save? Will I ever get ahead? Will I ever have enough money to get married? Will I ever have enough money to get out of debt? And we worry, worry, worry. Most North Americans, regardless of how much money they have or what their income is, at some level, they are worried. And in response to our worry, do you know what we do? You know how this, you see it in your own life all the time. We spend, we spend everything that we have, everything that we make, we spend. And pause for a moment, okay? And just think about the connection between these two things. Oh no, will I ever have enough? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll spend everything that comes my way. Will I ever be able to retire? 
Will I ever be able to move out of this house? I know what I'll do. I'll spend more than what I make. And this is a hugely popular life strategy. It's a massively well-embraced financial planning technique. And as a result, we end up with debt. Dumb debt. Silly debt. Embarrassing debt. Crippling debt. Debt on things that as soon as we bought them, the price went up and the value went down. And that's what happens with credit card debt and with financing debt. Then, consequently, we have no financial margin. If you have no financial margin, no wiggle room, do you know what you have? Well, you've got something to worry about. And what do we do as a result of worry? We spend as much as we have or more than we make, and then we have more debt, and then we have less financial margin, and then we're worried, and the cycle repeats. It doesn't happen in a day. It happens over time. But over the course of a year or months, we can feel this thing happening again and again and again. And the more you do it, the faster it goes. But it's really worse than that, okay? Do you know what it is that we worry about When we worry, we just call it worry. But if you had to think about it and say, what is it that you're worried about? It's almost funny. When we are worrying, we are worrying about future consumption. So what's our response? We consume more than we can actually afford. We end up with consumer debt. And then we have no margin for future consumption. And what drives all of this? What is the underlying mindset? There is something that's back there and it's underneath and we don't say it out loud, but if we identify it, it's easier to be able to make a choice. Do I want that or do I want something else? And it's a mindset that says, if it comes to me, it's for me. I've got to figure out how to take care of me. I've got to make sure I look out for number one. I've got to make sure that no one else is going to take care of me, so I've got to take care of me. I've got to think ahead. I've got to plan for me. Okay, so here's a few questions that you don't need to answer out loud, and you don't need to elbow anybody to tell them, hey, 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 all right? Just think about this. How much more money, how much more income would you need to stop spending everything that you make How much more would you need? 10%? 15%? 20% more. What if tomorrow you went into work and you got a 25% raise? Do you think that you would somehow go out immediately and go tell someone, um, now I will never overspend again? The answer to the question, how much more money would it take for you to stop spending more than everything that comes in? is more than you will ever get at one time. Over time, hopefully, your income will increase. And as your income increases, what do you do? You know this. You spend everything that comes in or more. Why? Because this chart that we're looking at, this diagram, isn't the story of a money problem. This is a self-control issue. Next question. Think about this one. How much more money would you need to make to quit using credit cards to purchase things? How much more money would you need to have to to start paying with on-hand cash and not future cash? 
for what you need to buy? How much more money would you need to make to get completely out of debt and stay out of debt? 10% more? 15% more? 20% more? Do you think that tomorrow that is likely to happen at your place of work? The answer is way more money than you're ever going to get all at one time. And consequently, as your income increases, so do your habits. You have new habits just waiting to begin. Waiting to begin with your new money. Your nutso habits are set to automatically increase with an increase in personal finances. Your debt in this cycle, your debt is a contentment issue, not a money issue. Next question. How much more do you think you would need to make to solve your, your financial margin issue? 10% more? 15% more? 20% more? If suddenly you got a 10% raise, would suddenly 10% more begin to show up in savings? The answer? Whatever your current habit is, it will continue as you get raises and as you make more money. Because this is not a money problem. This is a discipline problem. Next question. This one's just for Christians, okay? If you're not a Christian, you are totally allowed to listen in, but you're not obligated, all right? We're so glad that you're here. It's awesome that you're here with us, and we don't expect you to behave like Christians if you're not, okay? Jesus followers follow Jesus, but if you're not a follower, that's okay. You're still welcome to play along with what we're thinking about here. And one of the great things about the New Testament is that Jesus invited people to follow him even if they didn't believe who he was. Don't forget, at the end of Jesus' life, everybody missed it. Nobody saw it coming. When Jesus died, there were no Christians. There were no more Jesus followers. No one was at the tomb waiting and counting down 10 Nine, here he comes, he's going to rise from the dead. No one expected him to come back from the dead. No one expected the resurrection. No one. His resurrection surprised everyone. There were a lot of people who, you know, kind of followed Jesus, and they did not believe that Jesus was who Jesus said that he was. And you are fully welcome to play along with us, whatever steps you feel comfortable taking, even if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But this question that we're going to do now, this one is specifically for Jesus' followers. How much money, how much more money would you need to stop worrying about money? 10%? 15% more? 50% more? The answer is none of these. No matter how much money you make, there is still someone who makes 50% more and still worries. There's still someone who makes 100% more and still worries. I was once in a group having lunch with, with a bunch of people, and there was a guy there who would twice a year take my entire um, pre-tax income and spend it on vacation. So twice a year he would do that. And he would talk about how you just, you just never know. You, you, you just don't know what could happen. One day it could all just shift and, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know about how financially stable I could be because you don't know what's going to happen. Something could happen. He was still worried about money. If he can't be free of worry with all the money that he had, how can I ever be? You know, I'm doomed. I don't nearly have that much money. Worry is not a money problem. Worry is a spiritual problem. Go read what Jesus says about worry. He did not say to overcome your worries, make more money. Your problem, the reason that you worry is because you have put your trust in riches, not in the one who richly provides. You have placed your trust in riches, not the one who richly provides. Worry is a spiritual issue. It's a focus issue. What is your focus on? It's a trust issue. What do you put your trust in? It's a God issue. Who is the God that you turn to? Money or Jesus? This whole cycle, this whole thing that we've worked through here, this is common, okay? This is regular. This is widely accepted. It is normal. But look at it, okay? This cycle is not so. This is a beautiful summary of financial nutsoness. It's insane. It's irrational. It's unwise. It's a bad idea. And when you can see it like this, you go, it seems obvious. So let yourself see it. Most North Americans are financially insane. We are nutso when it comes to money. We worry. And then at the end of the day, we worry. Then we add another zero, and we get right back to worry. Now, I need to tell you that there is a different way to live. There is a better way, and I'll be honest, in comparison to the ways of the world, the ways that are common around us, this way that I'll tell you about is weird. But do you want more, 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 more? I'll give you four mores. More money does not generate more self-control, more discipline, or more contentment. More money does not make you smarter. You know people with more money that have done some extraordinarily dumb things. Money just speeds you and how fast you can get there. Contentment's like an appetite. When you feed an appetite, it grows. Do you know why you are so discontent? Okay, this is going to hurt a little bit. You're so discontent because you have so much. But no one likes to hear that, right? You say, but if I could just get, if, if I could only. Well, honestly, all I want is, and you're kidding yourself. As soon as you get to that if only, there is another if only. And after it, there is another if only. It's like that because it's an expanding appetite. If you feed an appetite, it grows. Money does not address discontentment. Money does not address discipline. Money does not address self-control issues. If you're 20-something, you're a late teenager, whatever, and, and, and you can get this through your minds right now, you will have so much more money when you're my age. Here's a truth that you need to hear, okay? Then you need to think about it. 
then you need to act on it. More money does not eradicate worry. Because worry is not about money. Worry is an entirely different thing. The reason that you think it's about money, and the reason that you think discontentment is is about money, and the reason that you think self-control and discipline are about money is because you live in that world. The world that we described here with this picture. You live in that world, and that world you live in is nutso. You are locked into the nutso cycle. More money would just add another zero to your spending habits. More money would just add another zero to your debt, to your discontent, and to your lack of margin. Now, you're free to stay trapped in this cycle. It's your choice. It's always your choice. But you can find freedom from not so if you can move to being weird. Generous people, people who have ordered their financial lives around generosity, are not driven by the nutso cycle. They are not driven by the consumption assumption. The consumption assumption says that if it comes to me, it is for me. But if I'm in a really good mood, I might take some of what I've decided to spend on me and I might give it to you. And if I feel guilty enough, well, I might give you some. And if it looks like everyone else is pulling out their wallets, well, I don't want to be left behind. So I'm going to pull out mine, but I'm not going to give you so much that it impacts my nutso financial lifestyle. Now, if you're a Christian, you really need to hear this and think about this. Jesus called that cycle, the one that we're looking at right here, it doesn't matter how many or how few zeros are in it. Jesus called this cycle, oh, it's a bad word. You're not going to like this one either. But Jesus called this cycle greed. Jesus says greed is the assumption that it is all for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that if it comes to you, it is for you. And if you are a generous person, you might give some away. Jesus says you are greedy. And the big problem with greed, it's like pride in this way. The big problem with greed is that you can't see it in the mirror. You don't see it because it doesn't look that way to you. You don't define it in that way. And when I say greedy, what do you think of? All right? You probably, it's some guy who's hiding in his basement, counting his gold coins and leaning back his head while he taps his fingers together. Ho, 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 I'm so rich. (laughs) Nobody does that. Greed is a person who has very little. Greed is a person who has a medium amount. Greed is a person who has a whole lot and who assumes that it all belongs to them and it is for them. That's what Jesus called greed. Do you know where greed leads? Greed always leads to worry and greed always leads to discontentment no matter how many zeros you tack on the end. Here's another thought. Most financial angst is the result of wanting what we can't get, not needing what we don't have. Most of our tensions from the truth 
Uh, most of our tensions come from the truth that was revealed to us through music by the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. Now, they didn't really mean it in that same way, but it's true nonetheless. You're stuck living in the not-so-cycle. And even if you got it, you'd want the next one. That's the nature of the cycle. Good news. Learning to be generous, not random acts of giving, learning to be generous, organizing your finances around generosity crushes the consumption assumption. It gets you off the, not, the nutso cycle. It frees you from believing that if it comes to me, it's for me. We are learning to think differently. We are no longer conforming our minds to the pattern of this world. Um, we're no longer being squished into the mold of the people around us in the nutso cycle. We are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we are conforming our minds. We are having our minds shaped into the likeness of Christ. To the average person caught up in the nutso cycle, we are being weird. Next week, we're going to jump into a whole practical level that puts concepts into action. So don't miss next week. Before we can get to the practical side, though, we have to learn how to think differently. And that's going to take some effort, okay? Generous people think completely differently. If it comes to me, it's not necessarily for me. Generous people are able to break through this nutso cycle where it's all about consumption. So Jesus, he's walking along, and he turns to his guys, and he gives them a parable. A parable is a story that's not true. It's made up. The story did not happen. The people in it do not exist. He makes up a story to make a point. He makes up some people in order to impact some real people. So he speaks to his audience, but he also speaks through the ages looking at us. We start in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so even 2,000 years ago, the rich got richer. And Jesus knew that all the people would be nodding together and say, oh yeah, that's the way it goes. The rich always get richer. So a rich guy has a bumper crop more than he's ever had before. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops. Problem. That's a first world problem. I've got so much stuff. Have compassion on me. I've got so much stuff. I need to get a storage unit. I've got so much stuff. I need to put it in the basement. I've got so much stuff. I need another closet. Where are my shoes going to go? I've got so much stuff. I need to buy a bigger house. I've got so much stuff. What shall I do? And then he said, this is what I'll do. Do you know what he did? He did exactly what he had always done. The more money you make doesn't mean you will change anything. You will continue to do exactly what you are currently doing with increased buying power. That's why if you're a teenager, you're in your 20s, or maybe even if you're in your 30s, you can get this right now. When you have a whole lot more income, you will continue to do what you are currently doing. If you are currently doing the right thing, you win big in the end. You win big along the path. He did what he had always done because he assumed what he'd always assumed. If it comes to me, 
It's for me. The fact that he got more did not make him generous. It just made him richer. So what should I do? I know. I will tear down my barns and big, big, and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Save it now to consume it later. I'm going to save it now so I can consume it later. And then he goes on. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I'm golden. I'm done. I've arrived. Here I am. Here's what's fascinating okay, and revealing at the same time. If you went back in time to your late teens or to your early 20s, and someone told you how much money you'd be making now, you'd be bug-eyed. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. If I made that much money, I'd be done. That would be so awesome. I would be debt-free. I'd be worry-free. If I could only have that now, I would never have a problem. And now, you're making that much money, and you're working, and working, and you're worrying, and you have debt, and you have profound, deep discontentment. I just can't be happy, even when I get what I thought I wanted. Do you know why? Because all through the years, you have continued to do what you've always done. But this guy, big barn man, the guy that we're looking at, He's later on in life, and he is rolling in it now. It's all coming in for him. And I've got, the, the, I've got enough for the rest of my years of my life. But God said to him, you fool. Not because he was rich, but because he was confused. He didn't call him a fool in anger. He called him a fool, but maybe he's like full of remorse. Oh, I wish you had seen. Big barn man assumed it was all consumable. This is my disposable income. You just think about those words. This is my consumable, disposable income. Think about those words that we use all the time. Disposable. Eh, whatever. Consumable. Ah, yeah, just throw it in the fire. Imagine. Imagine going to a third world country like we just heard about last week. We just heard about a trip to Tanzania last week. Imagine describing to him, to them, the, the stack of cash that you have that we describe as disposable, consumable income. Oh yeah, this is just money that I dispose of. I just consume it. Where'd it go? Not really sure. When you think about our terms, it makes so much sense that we are nuts. So, We are nuts because the cycle always leads to worry and it always leads to discontentment. So Mr. Big Barn Man thinks it all for himself, it's all for himself and it's all for his disposal. But God says, you fool, not because he was rich, but because he was confused. So God says to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You've got lots of stuff. You just don't have lots of time. You thought that lots of stuff indicated that you would have lots of time to consume lots of stuff. But this night, 
Your life will be demanded from you. Then in the parable, Jesus asks the guy a question. Same question he asks me and the same question he asks you. No matter how much money you have or don't have, same question. So God says to him, you fool, this, is the, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the answer is, well, somebody else. But not because he was generous, just because he was dead. He was consumable. And he was disposable. Now he is gone. And all of that stuff he set aside to consume, someone else will consume. Then Jesus, this is powerful, you should really read the Bible. Even if you just read the red letter stuff, it's so profound. Jesus steps right out of the parable. And he looks back up like, as if he had been reading it, okay? And he looks back up over the top of the book, right into your eyes, right into my eyes. He looks right into our eyes and he says, this is how it will be. What just happened in the story to the big barn man, this is how it will be. This is total loss. You have nothing to show for everything that came your way because you kept it all for future consumption. You consumed it all or you hoarded it all for future consumption because you were worried about the future. Yet somehow, you were never, never content with what you had now. Always worried about the future. Jesus saying, this is how it will be. Total loss. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What does rich toward God mean? Does that mean I, I, I give my time? Does that mean uh, my, my, my prayer life? Jesus is very clear here. Rich towards God is giving your stuff away. He's not referring to your prayer life. He's not referring to your church attendance. Why? Because when you are rich towards the people that I love, you are rich towards me. You want to love me as your pastor? You want to love me well? Love my wife and my kids, please. Same thing for you as a grandparent. Same thing for you as a parent. If somebody loves the people you love, it's like a double-powered gift. Your heavenly Father, who owns everything and needs nothing, says to you, as you are rich towards others, you are rich towards me. Which then Jesus defined as giving things away. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. Now, here's the fundamental issue. This adjustment to your thinking can change so much as it trickles down. It sets so much in motion that so many things are underneath it that will be impacted. Jesus teaches us to defy the other gods that surround us and beg for our attention. Jesus teaches us how to no longer be conformed to the image of this world, to no longer be forced into a mold of what is common, what is expected from those around us. Jesus teaches us how to defy the prevailing view of ownership. The prevailing view teaches us how to be owned by our stuff 
while thinking that we are in control of it all. The way he destroys our notion of ownership is by appealing to our common sense. If it can be taken away, you never really owned it anyway. If somebody else is going to possess it, then you are not the owner. If you cannot control where it ultimately goes, you are managing it temporarily and you don't own it. The nutso cycle, the consumption assumption is a huge problem and the underlying assumption isn't even true. Here's Jesus's point. Since it's all going to be taken away, why would you miss the opportunity to give it away? What doesn't make sense is the nutso cycle. Living like an owner and living like a consumer. Living your whole life tightly, hanging on to whatever comes near you, thinking that you control it and that it's yours to control, that it's yours to consume. And, and, and the real kicker is that this cycle always, always, no matter how many zeros you add, it always leads to discontentment. Stop and think about how much you are paying right now, how much every single month you are paying to be discontent. That's what you're buying. You're purchasing discontentment. Generous people think like managers, not owners and consumers. So imagine what that might look like in your life. Ownership is a myth and consumption always leads to discontentment and worry. So try something different. Maybe even just try it for a week. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it. Try thinking about all of your transactions differently. Keep your eyes out for opportunities to give or to share. Watch what happens in you when those things happen. What are your attitudes like? What happens to your sense of judgment on other people? Does it increase or does it decrease? Yeah, if I lend it to them, I'll probably never get it back. Give it to her, she's going to break it for sure. Evaluate yourself to see if your internal protect to consume tension rises. If you try to go forward and adjust your spending or, or try to force a budget on something, but you have not changed the underlying attitude, well, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. Try it out. Can it really be any worse than where you are now? If people find out what you're doing, they will think you're weird. Weird is not normal. The nutso cycle is normal. When they call you weird, just say thank you. What would it look like in your life to be free from all your stuff? The stuff that you have right now and the stuff that you are hoping to have. I believe that God has created you to be more than a consumer. That can begin to happen when you begin to reorganize your life and center your life around generosity. You will be financially free. Then if God blesses you, and when he blesses you, and as he blesses you, you do you know what you'll do? You'll do what you've begun to do. And you might very well become generous. But you, but you don't have to be weird if you don't want to be. You are free to continue running in the nutso cycle. You'll always worry, and you'll always be discontent. I don't want this for you. I know God doesn't want this for you. 
He doesn't want you to live this way. I don't think you want to continue to live this way. You can change. But almost everyone else that you know is doing it. They all live in the nutso cycle. It's easier to do. Won't take any extra effort. But maybe, just maybe, you'd like to be weird like us. God, help us to imagine what it would be like to live a generous life. Listening to you. Trusting you. Choosing you as the God that we will follow and not choosing the God money to follow. God, help me to see as you see that I might do as you say. Give me the freedom to hear from you now. Speak to me now so that you can speak through me later. Free us from the financial worries that we have plunged ourselves into. Set us free to be weird and to place generosity at the center of our life. To not be bound by stuff, but to give our stuff away. As we honor you and allow you to continue to provide for us beyond all that we can ask, beyond all that we can even imagine. God, work in our lives. We're trusting you to make a difference today and tomorrow too. Thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.